Oh, welcome to LX2 Codependency Coaching. I'm Stella, for those of you who don't know, uh, and I am live on Instagram while we also record. Um, there were so many options to talk about stuff this morning, and I have been doing some writing. Uh, the Loving Better has been coming along very uh, prolifically, uh, both in practice and in writing. And I was, um, you know, I'm always processing uh, with my girlfriend uh, about holding each other accountable for loving you better, loving me better, loving ourselves better. Um, and it's it's become now part of how I approach every day, really looking at um, what I am doing consciously and consistently to love myself better and um, as I'm writing the loving better kind of essay or portion of, you know, the, the Cody work, <laughs> um, it's interesting because I am consistently working on holding grace and empathy and compassion for past versions of myself who, uh, made a lot of decisions from the codependent orientation. Um, and one of the things that had come up as I was writing uh, was just kind of the insidious nature of codependency and what it looks like when you are codependent, um, because it looks like control. Uh, a lot of times we don't like to think about how we love people as control, but there is a whole lot of control that goes into it. Um, and so it's like control for ourselves, but then control or trying to control other people. I know that when I had talked about um, caring less without being careless, um, you know, and I've talked a lot about how oftentimes we want to manage, which is another word for control, other people's feelings, right? Um, and so on my trip uh, with my girlfriend, we are both two very independent people who have been in control a lot of times, either in our family of origin or in our relationships with our kids or with other people, um, or even just as women, right? So um, for those of you who don't know or are new to the podcast, I ran a private practice for a long time. Um, and I have often been really aware of, in previous jobs, like my level of control. Um, and so control also looks like accountability. So one of the things that um, you know, kind of we were processing and talking about this week was not being like being accountable in a way that is compassionate and not in that um, hypercritical way that, you know, I kind of grew up being, um, you know, the voice and, you know, we've talked a lot about kind of the asshole in your head or what your anxiety looks like. Um, and so that person or that series of voices is past, ver past versions of me. Um, really trying to hold myself to a standard or level that uh, is not realistic, but it has gotten me through and to a lot of places that I'm really like pleased with and happy about. But, you know, in running a business and, um, you know, pushing myself to get through uh, two degrees and all the things like I had to have a level of control over myself. That being said, what it also looked like was having a lot of control over other people. Um, and I've mentioned in the past, um, you know, my parenting style or the way I parented uh, was very authoritative. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, I held my my child to 
who's now an adult, uh, to a very high level of standard um, because the expectation was that she would not be a reflection of my choices or my mistakes or whatever. Um, I had my daughter when I was 20 and uh, definitely fell short of the expectation that was placed on me from my family of origin. Uh, my parents both pushed education as you know the gold standard for getting ahead. And so having a child at 20 was not uh, you know, part of the plan. Uh, the larger plan, for sure, it was part of that, but not part of my plan. And, um, and so as I was writing the Loving Better piece, really looking at my own, the expectations placed on me by others, but also my own expectations of how I function in the world to get approval and love and validation, um, having a child at 20 was not part of that plan. So uh, consequently, I held her to a high standard um, as well as myself. I pushed myself uh, to get my degrees and, and to do um, the things that were necessary so that I wasn't um, representative of what single momhood looks like. Uh, I recognize now with a lot of again, empathy and compassion for that past version of myself, that she was just really trying to get through the world, um, you know, trying not to fall into um, the standard of what being a single mom, an uneducated single mom who messed up looks like. Um, one of the things that my girlfriend had said was that we can do uh, multiple things at the same time in a lot of directions of growth and healing. And um, I love that that she framed it that way because, you know, I, I used to talk a lot about how, you know, it ruined my life uh, having a child so young um, in, a, in no way ruined and she's not ruined and no one got ruined, but that was the narrative at the time. And uh, so then I kept pushing to like, undo the ruination. Um, that level of accountability is that perfectionist idea of it has to look a certain way or we have to do a certain thing. Um, and that is directly related to codependency because we need that external validation to feel worthy and deserving of the life that we have. Our space on the planet needs to be validated by these external sources. Um, but in doing so, then I was always trying to manage and control myself to do all these extra things. And so, um, you know, I, I, that version of me, that perfection seeking, you know, I have to be a certain way. Um, she worked really hard and probably harder than she needed to. Um, but she got me to this place. That being said, I also, you know, made some choices and did some things that I maybe wouldn't have done if I was in a different position um, in terms of like relationships and, and decisions and choices. Um, always with this, you know, axe over my head that if I didn't do it the right way, that I would somehow, you know, end up on some low totem pole. I don't know. Um, it's really hard to think about it now because I've really worked hard and diligently to change the narrative. And as I look back at those choices and those um, positions that I put myself in, um, I have been super critical of her. And today I look back with a lot of gratitude and compassion 
and emotions. Um, but I recognized that like she was doing her best to control so many things. Water. And I think about that when we really look at like how we are controlling everything in our environment if we grew up where there was a lot of chaos. Um, so some of the kind of roots of codependency, we talked about, you know, our family of origin and how we were parented and inconsistent um, approval and validation. So we want to be able to maintain all of those things, right? We don't want to have to deal with conflict. We don't want to disappoint other people. We don't want to um, have people feel uncomfortable or, um, you know, we're doing all these extra things to be able to manage uh, our own nervous system as well as other people's. And so when we look at things versus, you know, we look at managing versus control, though they are the same thing, we're really struggling and working extra hard to make sure that everyone is okay. Like we're trying to create this balance or this homeostasis for ourselves and for other people. Um, and I, as I'm looking at that through my own lens, through the perspective of me today at 49 years old, again, I could be super critical because I have in the past been super critical of, of the choices I made and the decisions um, without looking at the whole picture of how hard I worked to get out of this negative space of um, validation and acceptance because I wasn't accepting myself. And that's why the self-love and, and the loving better peace is so important to kind of counteract or um, be the contrast to codependency. When you are in a space of loving and accepting yourself, it's a lot easier than to not seek it out from those external sources so that you're not having to manage or control other people's emotions. You're just really kind of working on managing and controlling your own. And the loving better peace is not just loving my present self and going, okay, what do I need? Where is this emotion coming from? Um, what do I need to control in this moment? But it's also recontextualizing the past versions of ourselves with empathy and compassion. Um, you know, doing your inner child work is great, but your inner teenager work is actually a lot harder <laughs> um, in managing like your inner, inner 20 year old or your inner 25 year old, like those versions of me still show up in different ways. And so rather than being hypercritical of them, what I'm learning to do now with the work of loving better and recognizing how codependency continued to show up over and over in my life um, is to is to change the narrative, not just from this like victim place, because I think that the the victim, even if we're the victim of ourselves, right, of our, of our own choices, is to have some empathy and compassion for the past versions of ourselves and certainly the past version of myself to recognize that she was doing two things, right? So she was hypercritical and, and, you know, I was angry a lot. I yelled all the time. Um, and I was coming from a place of trying to manage and control things to get ahead. Right. But what I was also doing was working really hard to finish, you know, my first degree in psychology, um, with a minor in biology. And I say that because the, the brain and behavior, um, connection is super important to me. Um, but 
I was doing these things and taking these classes and, and I have showed my transcripts to a lot of clients who are really struggling with like, I'm not doing it right. I'm not doing it in the, you know, four year model that everybody expects me to get done or whatever. Um, I pull out my transcripts and I'm like, I need you to look at this. I need you to look at the fact that one, it took me 10 years to finish my undergraduate degree while I was raising a human being. Um, and trying to navigate marriage and living in a different place away from home. Um, and my transcript is a fucking nightmare. Um, I was kicked out of my first college. I, <laughs> I went to Regis University in Denver right out of high school because it was the top and it was the best. And I got in by the skin of my teeth, whatever. Uh, totally fucked off for a year. And they were like, please don't return. Um, and then... <laughs> I went home um, and I uh, got pregnant and then I immediately like jumped back into, okay, I need to finish this degree. Like, especially now I have this human. Um, and so I went to Adam state college, which is now a university in Southern Colorado, totally fucked off, like did not do well. Um, and then I went to UNM several times in New Mexico. Um, and, again, it looks like awful. Like I was, I dropped out several semesters, all the things. Um, but the reason I show it to clients is not to rehash, like, look at how terrible I am. Uh, but it's to really show the resilience because when I finally did go back, um, I went back to Adam State in Colorado, um, after I'd gotten married and in two and a half years, like knocked out a full like degree, which I'm super proud of. And that elevated my ability to look at myself differently, I started to build a level of confidence. I've always been confident in school. Um, I've always done well because it's that external validation of like, okay, learn a thing, regurgitate a thing, move forward. Um, but I started to feel good about myself. So I started to change my perspective on who I am and my place in the world uh, because I had that external validation of like, okay, you finished a thing. Um, the goal was to finish it before I turned 30 and I graduated in December of uh, 2002, right before my 30th birthday. So 10 years, got that done. Um, but I was still frustrated. I was still not at the level that I wanted to be at. And so, um, you know, now I look back and I'm like, holy shit, like she did this amazing thing. But I pull out my transcripts, I show it to clients. I'm like, look, it doesn't always look like what you expect it to look like. And it doesn't look like what anybody else has the expectation of. It looks like what it's supposed to look like. And it can be a shit show and it could be a nightmare, but it can also be an opportunity for you to do things in your own way, in your own time, giving them that opportunity to create, you know, compassion and grace for themselves and also compassion and grace for that past version of themselves that maybe didn't do it in the, in the way that other people were expecting. So we're trying to control ourselves and then we're trying to control our discomfort, right? So a lot of times people are going to school to like, get the approval and validation of their parents or society or you know in my case i went to a private school um and all of my classmates you know went to college and have these really impressive careers um i remember my 10-year high school reunion uh that i attended my ex-husband uh was like super impressed and he was like all these people are professionals and all the things and and they and they are and that's amazing um and i just kind of said to him like that's the expectation um, you know, your parents pay a lot of money for you to go to this school. And so you, you've got to perform. Um, and so I think that that was another layer of 
that cultural and societal expectation that I was placing on myself that then drove me to be extra critical of who I am and have this, you know, higher level of perfection standard. Um, and so I, I worked on that and I continue to work on that to be able to recognize that, yes, these things happened and I have the ability to change the narrative and not be so critical of myself, but to be more accepting with compassion, with grace, with love and recognize that one, I did the thing that I had intended to do. And two, I did the shit out of it. And I fucked up along the way. Like those things are all true. And those truths can be held in the same space without having to define who you are because we evolve and change over time. That codependent part of me was just like, I just need somebody to tell me that I'm enough. And so I'm working super hard to, you know, be the best mom possible, be a good student, be a good wife, you know, try to have a career, like all of these paths. And I'm holding myself to a standard that is pretty unattainable if under the best of circumstances. Um, and I did it, like I did those things. So giving myself grace, not just here in this space right now today, but you know, past versions of me. A lot of times um, when I tell people what I'm doing, that I'm traveling and I'm you'd retired and I am writing a book, everybody's like, oh, you're so lucky. Um, book had nothing to do with it. What it had to do with was working really hard to get to this place, right? And I work with clients a lot to be able to re-empower them to change their narrative so that it's not just, I'm a terrible person, which we all live with that asshole in your head very loudly kind of screaming that you're a terrible person, you are unworthy, you are undeserving. And that is the constant, you know, narrative that we fight up against every day. I posted something on Facebook uh, yesterday or the day before, really kind of wanting to help people to shift the narrative. Um, and one of the narratives that comes up a lot is you're so strong, right? You're so capable of doing all these things. Um, that's not actually helpful. <laughs> um, when other people are like, wow, you've been through so many things. You're so strong. Um, we, we know we are and we continue to be, um, but sometimes we're tired and sometimes we don't want to have to be so strong. We don't want to have to be the model of surviving all these things. Sometimes we just want people to like, not look at us <laughs> and you just like look over there. Um, because we have been strong like our whole lives. I say that often, um, you know, I'm super grateful for my childhood. I'm super grateful for being a participant in, in raising my siblings and having the challenges and struggles that I've had because it has made me incredibly resilient. Um, it's also made me very resentful and angry and frustrated and tired. Um, and so now I have this opportunity to rest and to give myself grace which is not easy to do because that's also a practice I'm not familiar with and I'm not good at. But I am getting better. So the level of accountability that we hold ourselves to is a direct result of, you know, that expectation that other people have had on us. Um, and emotions happen. So I'm really just going to lean into that. Um, didn't expect to get this emotional. Um, but that's been the struggle, right? That's been the processing of all of these things. And these past versions of not just myself, but, you know, everybody else's life that I have come in contact with. Um, 
So both clinically clients and then, you know, my child, my friends, my relationships, all of those things are being reprocessed and with grace and with empathy and compassion, I'm working through doing that in a different way, hopefully to model how other people can do it in a different way, in a way that's positive and helpful and healing. Um, It's exhausting and it is difficult. And um, I do even now recognize that loving myself better looks like, you know, sleeping till noon. Um, I was talking to myself this morning because I talk to myself all the time. Um, but really recognizing, like, I don't know that I will ever go back to having a traditional job, um, which I'm grateful for. <laughs> um, when I got my hands tattooed, my tattoo artist, uh, she was texting me and she was like, do you want to get job stoppers? Uh, and I texted her back, like, you know, a few minutes later. And I was like, I haven't had a real job in a long time. Um, but part of why I had decided to like do this thing, uh, not just like the traveling and all the stuff, but like tattoo my hands was, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I want to have another regular job. I could, but, um, I really committed to this lifestyle that I am creating even now, which is crying on camera. Amazing. (laughs) But also, you know, creating content and having a podcast and being super vulnerable and holding myself to the standard that it doesn't always have to look like what everybody expects it to look like. No one else has an expectation of how I'm supposed to do this. Not even me, because I'm inventing the wheel on this. I don't know what that looks like all the time. Um, and so, again, rather than being hypercritical of being vulnerable in these moments, both on the podcast, you know, on a video, in my TikToks, in my writing, I have to recognize that this is what being human in this human skin, you know, meat suit looks like for me at this moment. None of it is written in a way that like, here's the plan on how to be successful doing these things. I, you know, there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears that have gone into creating my practice in getting my degree in raising a human and having relationships. Like none of it is a clear line or a defined way of how to do things. And so our experience is going to be based on every, you know, step or choice that we make along the way. I was talking to someone last night and we were talking about how like everybody's life can change in one decision, you know, sometimes a series of decisions, but like one decision can shift things in any direction, you know, good, bad, weird. What the fuck was that? Like, and so that, that gives me a little bit of hope. I mean, I carry a lot of hope now, but it does give me a little bit of hope to recognize that we can change things in one decision in recognizing if I set this boundary, if I, you know, change how I'm talking to myself, if I check my facts, if I'm, you know, controlling what I can in the moment, if I take a deep breath and not hold myself to the standard that is not helpful, I can change my path. And that is an empowerment that like therapy, I think in general can give to someone to be like, Hey, you don't have to be perfect right now. Nobody is expecting that. Literally no one. And anybody who has that expectation of you is a jackass. So, you know, even if that jackass is you. So take a deep breath, slow down, and make a decision that's actually going to benefit who you are. That is literally loving you better. 
in the moment. Um, and so if I can change one human decision to be like, hey, what, what are you doing? Be nice to yourself, right? Like that's going to be helpful. And I will go through a million different emotions and write things down and make a ridiculous TikTok and cry on camera if I can do that. And so I've built a whole practice out of talking to my clients. And I've said this to hundreds and hundreds of people is like, what can you control right now? You know, it's not just about like reining it in and managing your stuff. And it's, it's really like, what can you control right now? We work so hard to control all of these other things. And sometimes the most important thing that you want to be able to control is your breathing. Like right now, take a deep breath with me. Like that's, that's the thing, right? And, and I've done that in session hundreds of times is to recognize when someone gets super elevated when they're processing their trauma or they're processing their stuff. Let's just take a deep breath. In through your nose, out through your mouth. The easiest thing. We breathe automatically, but we forget to take a deep breath and recognize that we can control that, right? And so I get activated and I get super emotional and I get super excited and all the things. And sometimes I have to even remind myself today to take a deep breath. I can control that. That's one decision, right? I can slow down. All of the millions of things that go on in my head on a regular basis, I can slow that down just to one deep breath, right? And so I have controlled a lot of things in my life. Um, and there have been a lot of things that were outside of my control, more things out of my control than in my control, right? But in loving me better, in, in detaching from the outcome of what it's supposed to look like, I have actually been able to create a lot more success and a lot more um, empathy and compassion, not just for my present moment self, but those past versions of me. Recontextualizing or changing the narrative to be able to recognize that every decision that happened before now got me to this place. And it could look like a whole mess, right? It could look like a million different things um, that were positive and negative and weird and what was that and all the things but they've gotten me to this place and I don't always have to be strong. I actually just have to survive. And then when I can get out of survival mode, I have to be kind and I have to be compassionate and I have to be loving of the version of me that got to this place and every version of me before. And so, you know, as you guys have seen multiple times, I go through emotions so fast and my default setting is gratitude. My default setting is recognizing all of the things that I have been able to do. And that list is long, right? I have clients and I have had clients in the past who really focus on all of the things that didn't work out the way they were supposed to, or that they, you know, fucked up or that other people have fucked up and all the things. And the reality is that once we can put together a list of facts, right? The true things that actually happened um, and take a step back and take the emotion out of it and take out the expectation of how it was supposed to be and recognize it happened and now we can let it go, is those facts get longer and those truths are the things that we can actually ground ourselves in and recognize we got to this place. Like I say it all the time in posts and to people and to clients and the things is everything that you've been through has gotten you to here. And that 
is a tremendous feat of accomplishment. And so if we know, hey, you wake up today and that's huge, right? And so that is a fact, right? Your ability to bounce back, to survive, to, you know, actually live, to make a great cup of coffee, like whatever it is, those are facts, right? And if you can get to that place of gratitude on a regular basis, then it's easier to step up from gratitude than to step up from deprivation. I talk a lot about abundance versus lack and switching your mentality. And, you know, to go back to just briefly, uh, the lost bag, I'm not calling it the lost bag anymore. I'm calling it the thing that happened. Um, but I could have stayed in that space of panic and frustration and sadness and overwhelm that I was missing a whole bag of things that I had packed to come here. And I'm not doing that anymore. Like I'm really recognizing that every day I have what I need. I basically have a change of underwear and a toothbrush. Um, you know, and I found this sweater today and I'm super excited about it, but really recognizing that I am actually, I have abundance. I have everything I need and I have beautiful humans in my life who are like, Hey, can we send you anything? Like, what is it that is going to make this, you know, process easier for you? And I'm super grateful for them. Um, but recognizing that I have amazing relationships. I have really cool people in my life. Um, I am so excited to be able to have this opportunity. Um, my needs are met, right? Roof over my head, food in the fridge, uh, great people in my life. Like everything is, is met. Like that bag, and I'm super grateful that I had it and it'll show up when it's supposed to, um, but didn't ruin anything. Having a child at 20 didn't ruin anything. Like I'm not ruined. I'm actually really good and she's really good. And raising her is something I'm so proud of because she is incredible. Um, and I was able, I had the beautiful fortune of being a young mom and growing up and learning with her. I had great people in my life to help me with that process. So nothing is ruined, right? But I had to change the narrative. I had to change the way that I talked to myself about it and really recognize that she motivated me to get the degrees, to find a career, to do the things that I do. Um, and that happened exactly the way it was supposed to. So recontextualizing in loving better is a matter of having grace and compassion. It's a matter of not controlling all the things, even the narrative, recognizing that the narrative changes when you have compassion for yourself, when you can look back and not hold yourself accountable to this really ridiculous outcome and standard and just kind of be like, hey, what do you need right now, right? Um, oftentimes, there's so much going on in our lives and we feel like we are behind the eight ball. We feel like we are failing first thing in the morning. You're not. It just feels that way. And one of the ways to change it is to go, okay, what can I control? What are the facts? You know, let me take a couple deep breaths. Let me make a good cup of coffee or whatever it is that gets it going in the morning, as long as it's a healthy thing. Uh, <laughs> healthy is relative. Whatever it takes. If it's a donut, do that. Um, but then you can ground in, okay, what do I actually have? And with loving compassion, acceptance of who I am and where I'm going, what do I have control over? If that just means I need to make it through this drive to get to where I need to be and, you know, 
be nice to myself. If I'm nice to myself first, <laughs> then that's, you, you look at you accomplishing things, you're getting things done. Um, but that's a place to start. I used to have a, well, I've had a couple clients where their mantra was, I am a nice lady. Um, and a lot of my clients know that I don't use nice for people. Nice people are actually really fake and I don't like it. Kind people, genuine people, all those things. But they had to remind themselves before they got into work or before they got into the store or whatever, when they're managing their own anxiety, I am a nice lady. Um, and so that changes things, right? So if you're a nice man or a nice human or a nice whatever, however you identify, do that. Take a deep breath, but be nice to yourself first. Be kind and compassionate and give yourself grace first. So many things today. And we cried a couple times. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm going to end the live. Um, I'll be back next week, probably on Friday. Uh, we'll talk about things. I am working on the loving better kind of portion, but I'm also working on like a bigger concept. Um, just a quick little thing I want you to think about. Um, I will be doing a Loving Better small group, hopefully in uh, end of January, February. We're maybe looking around Valentine's Day. Um, I am doing uh, Cody workshops, both individually and if your agency or, you know, your organization could get value from learning some of these skills. Those are already written. And so I will be putting those on my website if you want to schedule some of that. And um, I'll just creating content, doing a TikTok, uh, more videos, lots of reels, all the things. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Um, LX2 Codependency Coaching. And uh, you can reach me at lx2.codcod.coach at gmail.com. And I will talk to you soon. Take care. All right. So we are ending the podcast. We ended the live. Um, it is up on Instagram. They're all there. Uh, thank you so much for hanging on on this crazy wild ride. Um, but if you have any questions, you know, reach out to me on Instagram, Luna underscore X2 underscore LLC on Facebook, something similar. If you just Google LX2 Codependency or Luna X2 LLC, you'll be able to get a hold of me. Thank you so much for listening. For those of you who are new to LX2 Cody Coaching, have listened to X to the Zennial. I'm really, really grateful. Um, Currently in Ireland, we'll be moving around, but you can reach me on those platforms and I will talk to you soon. Take care.